The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We are very nearly at the end of the year. We are at a point where we've already seen the axe fall in a couple of places. Um, We've seen coaches. We've seen coaches and general managers. Um, We haven't really seen the first player scapegoating yet or, you know, aside from Evander Kane, who's admittedly boneheaded about the uh, about the potentially falsified vaccination but everything else that they've accused him of this off season or his wife has accused him of this off season uh-huh. has been proved false. But okay. all of the players who are rumored to be traded and have been rumored to be traded all season, they're still on their teams. We've heard about Bo Horvat for three years. We've heard about Jake DeBrusque on and off for over a year. Um, there's three or four other players who, you know, we could talk about um, absolutely needing a new place to live, but they're all still there. And do you see, I mean, do you genuinely see any trades coming before the Olympics? Uh, no, as much as I, as much as there, there seemed to be a push to trade, the 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 local product, uh, Mr. DeBrusque, the, and and his request for uh, said move, there doesn't seem to be any any traction, any moving forward. So no, I don't think so. That that seemed to be. I mean, the most obvious one obviously is Evander, just because. I mean, when San Jose comes out and says that they're willing to part with or, or take control of or half his salary. I mean, it or half his contract. I mean, it, that seemed to be an obvious, Hey, somebody take a look at this. And there's nothing reported that he's in any, I mean, he went to the Barracudas. He's played his first game for the Barracudas. Uh, DeBrusque had to stay in Boston and play because of injuries to Anton Bleed and and a couple of other players, so they didn't have a choice but to play him. But it's worth noting that without Cassidy behind the bench, he's played really well. He's got a couple of goals since Cassidy has joined. He's got a couple of goals. He's thrown some nice hits. He's made some great passes. He's playing on the penalty kill. He's playing on... I believe he's playing on the second unit power play. And is this there, not a DeBrusque issue locally? And therein lies the question of which came first, the chicken or the egg? Uh, whose fault is it really, DeBrusque or a certain head coach who hasn't been around? I, I mean, it remains to be. I mean, he's coming. Cassidy's coming off of the protocol or, or the COVID list in for the game Tuesday or so they say he he's he, they didn't have him do any of the Canadian games because of just Canada traveling. Yeah. So yeah, Even I think that Canadian citizen, but Hey, I just honestly, I honestly believe that maybe there's something to it's the coach and not the player. 
because let's face it, um, Jake DeBrusque, points-wise, as successful as Tyler Sagan in his first 212 games, same number that Sagan played, more goals, COVID happens, and it upturns everyone's life. Everyone's. Little, some of the older players didn't really affect them quite as much. Some of them it did. We all know that the bubble hockey was some of the worst hockey ever seen, at least in my opinion. Um, it looked a lot like scab football uh, back in the NFL going back a little ways. Um, and one of the first things we heard about Jake DeBrusque was he was super close to his grandma. Like, his first 10 or 20 interviews, his grandma gets mentioned like at least once. And I genuinely believe that a lot of his lack of production and probably unhappiness stems from worrying about his grandmother. Could he have done a better job of maintaining it? Could he of maintaining his focus? Sure. Is it a thing that I particularly worry about long term? No, not really. This isn't like <clears throat> this isn't like he's having. If this is the cause of his lack of focus last season and the season, the shortened season before, if this is actually the cause of it, this is not going to be an ongoing thing. It's not like he's. I don't know, showing up two days in a row in the same clothing because he's out partying. It's not like he's clearly got substance issues and bringing them on to, uh, onto the ice and needing to go on dry island like a couple of former Philadelphia Flyers. Um, he's not – he doesn't appear to be a, an issue on the ice or with his teammates because you look at the bench during games – People talk to him. He gets a goal. Everyone on the ice celebrates with him. Oh, and you want to talk about fickleness of fans. I mean, the first game after the whole announcement with DeBrusque wanting to, you know, he he requested the trade and this and that. So he comes out the first game and he didn't have a choice but to play. I think it was the, the Vancouver home game. Yep. And the minute he touched the ice, fans booed him or touched the puck. Fans booed him. Here in Boston, he was getting booed. The next game, and I forget who it was against, the second game into this, he scores a goal, and suddenly the fans erupt in cheers and applause and and just overall uh, excitement. And it's just like, hello, 48 hours ago you were booing this kid. Now you're going crazy for him. Uh, maybe you ought to make up your mind and decide whether you like him or don't like him before you just start casting him out. I mean, and like I said, he did score a couple of goals under, under, under Sacco. Uh, am I saying that they should replace Cassidy? You haven't left, said it. I have left said that. It. I left that silent for a reason. Um, but you know, the, the thing, there has been a change when Cassidy went away, the Bruins were not in a playoff position. The next time, as of right now, they they are, are. I believe they are in the second wildcard spot. They climbed into it with the win last night over a very hot Calgary Flames team. 
that and that's not just a hot team; it's a strong team. You've got oh, Sean Monahan yeah. playing well. You've got uh, Milan Lucic playing well. You've got you've got a point per game Johnny Goudreau uh, in his UFA season playing well. And there may be a segue in there, but you've also got on that team two goaltenders who combined have, I believe the count is seven shutouts. Not a bad number. One of those two goaltenders, uh, we've, I, I would say ad nauseum, uh, I have said ad nauseum is the one that I didn't want to get rid of, but. And the other one has been arguably the best goaltender <laughs> in the league. And, and that's a scary thought because everybody used to look at Jacob Markstrom as just another one of those guys. Yeah, he was in Vancouver. He he had solid numbers, but not spectacular. I mean, if you go back and look at his numbers, they're actually decent numbers. They're decent numbers, they're but he not, never seemed to steal oh, a game or two. Right, and he's they're been not stealing overwhelming. Games. Uh, up until last night, he didn't. He, I I don't know if it was the team in front of him or he just wasn't. Ha- he looked a little off last night, but then Calgary didn't play their best game ever last night. No, I don't think they were terrible, but I genuinely think the Bruins uh, wanted it. The Bruins wanted it a little bit more and the Bruins got it from their depth. This wasn't the Marchand show. This wasn't the I mean, yes, Marchand had a goal. I was going to say Marchand had a goal and an assist, so it kind of was. Um but it wasn't it wasn't the top six just pummeling their opponents. You had a goal from Clifton to open the open the scoring. You had another goal from mention that. You had another goal from uh, the defense with Charlie McAvoy and well people talk about him, his numbers are not in the top of the league for defensemen. He's not an elite scorer. Calm down, folks. We he's only got, he's only got like fourteen or fifteen points. It's not like he's uh He's not terrible. The world. No, he's not, not again. He's not, not leading ter- the league. Again, not terrible, but there are other guys ahead of him. Uh, some Adam Fox named kid and and um, and uh, who are the who are the other goal score? There there were other goal scorers too. Last night but, they had four goal scorers. You had Connor Clifton. You had um, second goal was Marsh and third goal was McAvoy. Fourth goal Lazar was Lazar, but that was just that was overwhelming force from a fourth line that would not give up. That was a the four check was beautiful. unbelievable on that that particular shift. That was beautiful, brutal, and relentless the way a fourth line is supposed to look. They just swarmed, and all three of them standing in front of the net trying to figure out, and and it it did make me laugh. Jack sitting there going. Goal by uh, Frederick. And then Brickley was like, I think it was Lazar that touched the puck last. And then, well, we'll watch the overhead and it'll be the definitive answer. And it's like, but the, the way they swarmed and they were doing that all night. And that's one of the telltale signs of a solid Bruins performance is they're sport checking. They're swarming. They're they're buzzing around the net. They're being physical, persistent then, and consistent. Yes, it's not just that someone yelled at them as they were getting on the ice or ten seconds before their shift. 
they're committed. They were committed from puck drop to final bell, and they beat a good team because of it. I just it's one of those things that makes me wonder. And I don't know. Joe Sacco didn't have an overwhelmingly stellar career as a head coach with Colorado. As far as he I also remember. didn't spend 13 years in the minors because no one would give him an NHL job. Uh, if you're talking about Cassidy, he actually did have an NHL job before spending 13 years in the minors because nobody else would give him a second chance. Yes. He Same did. Thing. He, he did head coach Washington for a brief time. Very brief time. Yeah. And then, as we said, 13 years <laughs> between that and. If somebody, if somebody thought he should be a head coach, wouldn't he have gotten a phone call somewhere in that decade plus? Decade plus, yeah. Just, just saying. I don't know. I would have thought the phone would have, you know, at least rang once, twice. Maybe twice. Because how so, many head coaches do we think? Uh, do we think how many head coaching changes were there in that thirteen years? Probably. 75, 80 across a 30 team league? Sure. Quite a few. There had to have been at minimum 50, and it was probably closer to 70 or 80, because we know the average head coach lasts about two years, two to four years. Mm -hmm. And some of them, like Buffalo, they were getting rid of their coaches every year. Um, The Pagoulas collect head coaches like. Some people collect coins or stamps. Uh, Just yeah. saying. And Just saying. They, they, they like to replace and, and, you know, have fresh merchandise on the shelves, so to speak. <laughs> well, wow. it's, it's kind of too bad for Buffalo that there's no uh, – that the coaches <clears throat> don't get jerseys because uh, they would have had like five <laughs> to sell out there uh, in like a four-year period. Absolutely. Didn't they have three just a year or two ago when they finally settled on, was it last year when they finally settled on Granada? Didn't they have two prior to him in the same season? It was kind of gross. <laughs> Lots of segues in that opening, though, because we could go with the obvious one and talk about um, Mr. Ho- Mr. Hockey. Uh, we could segue into how there have been replacements uh, around the league. We got lots of segues. Where would you like to go? You always ask go me. I don't get direction, of course. Oh, but hey, nothing wrong with that. Throw a throw a kink in the in the in the in because the I nice, think there's a lot smooth. of a lot a lot of things to talk about. Sure. And one of them that I really want to talk about is the power rankings. They were released uh, Super 16 a couple of days ago. Um. No surprise, the Florida Panthers, who I told everyone to watch out for in the offseason. Um, Don't break your arm. It, look, facts are facts, and I'm not going to deny them. Fair Number one enough. in the rankings by a not small gap. Uh, in the rankings voting for NHL.com, they had 217 points. The New York Rangers, who came in second, had 182. Sort okay. of a gap. And then, so looking at these rankings, Florida Panthers, New York Rangers, Washington Capitals, Minnesota Wild, uh, Carolina Hurricanes, Tampa Bay Lightning, um, all 
all of our listeners have already figured out that there's only one Western Conference team in the in that top six. Um, the Stanley Cup champ, defending Stanley Cup champions, are way down at sixth. Mm-hmm. Um, but Minnesota Wild, Florida Panthers. If someone's asking me, hey Mike, for the sake of hockey, for a compelling hockey story. What's what finals matchup do you want to see? It might just be that one. Minnesota has not ever won a champ. hasn't won an NHL uh, championship in forever. The blues, you know, I mean the uh, stars used to be there and they moved and then they won while they were in Dallas. Um, the Minnesota wild were, aggressively mediocre at best for the first decade of their existence. And now you've got a new general manager, arguably the best head coach right now in the NHL, and a cast of guys who most people thought weren't capable of carrying a team. Okay. Who are clearly the best team in the Western Conference. It's not even close. And on the other hand, you've got the Florida Panthers, who have been broken by injuries in the playoffs uh, last year. They lost their best defenseman. They lost a couple of forwards just either just before or going into the playoffs and got knocked out early. They've also been overshadowed their entire existence by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, there's a lot of people who somehow think that hockey still doesn't belong in warm weather places. And that, that's yep. something people need to get over because you've got, I don't know, Vegas, uh, Arizona, Dallas, a couple of Floridas, Nashville, um, even on the border, Carolina. I mean, Three California teams, yeah, a few California teams. I think it's time to get over the whole hockey doesn't belong in warm weather climbs particularly since it's been since 1993, since a Canadian team has actually won. There you go. I was trying to be nice and not mention that, but and yeah. And note that 1993 is several years before any active player in the NHL was drafted. I believe the oldest players in the league were drafted in 97. Uh, Joe Thornton Chara. and Zidane Chara. Mm-hmm. So... Exhale. Um, it, it's it's okay, but so Florida Panthers. Yeah, they've got st- they've got guys who everyone told us were going to be stars. They told us for like ten years in a row some of these guys were going to be stars, and for two years they've finally been stars. Like we've actually seen what what the fans of these individual players, uh, you know, Barkov and Huberdo and have finally, what, what we've finally seen what people have been talking about. It took a long time for Huberdo. I mean, I will, I, I can se- I can see Panther fans frustration. It took a while for Huberdo. He did not come into the league and suddenly, Oh, look at this. This guy's really good. He came into the league and kind of meh. He, Yes. And then after a lot of meh, 
somebody finally, I don't know, found the switch or the pilot light or whatever symbolism you want to use and flipped it and oh look he actually really is a good player he deserved his draft spot maybe not but closer to it than what he was when he started and then you look at some of the players who have basically gone there uh at towards the end of their career or after a dip in their career and suddenly found found good hockey again sergey bobrovsky he had a couple of really bad years even before he got there. He's had a and then bad a really last bad year or two when he got there. Last couple of weeks, he's looked like Bobrovsky from a couple of years ago. He has not looked good in the last handful of games. Okay. But yeah, no. That that being said, they've also been without Duclair. They've, I mean, they've been without uh, was it Barkov? They've been Barkov Barkov. Was out a little bit. Um, so Duclair's just coming back or supposedly coming back. Uh, I, I mean, they've been without a couple of, of players that some might call key. I mean, if they they went out of their way to grab Duclair, so maybe they think he's important. And uh, you've got Frank Petrano playing his best hockey down there. Um, you've got Owen Tippett. You've got Joe Thornton, who's, again, one of those uh, – no longer young players. Carter Verhage. Um, Brandon Montour, Mackenzie Wegar, Gustav Forsling. And they're, not really names. they're not really names that roll off the tongue either when you think about it. It's not no, like oh, it's, they're not they're not household. It's not like I mean, unless you're in Florida and you're a huge Florida Panthers fan. They're not they're not the names that boom boom boom. Okay. It, 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 no. I'm not saying that McDavid, Ovechkin, Crosby, you know, and so on and so forth either. I'm just saying that they're not guys that you would stop and think, ooh, you know, they play for the best team in the league. You know, they're the reason they're the best team in the league. But combined, yes, they are. They super are. balanced. Yes. And that's the key right there is is that balance. And that's really the same. It's really a fairly similar model to what Minnesota is doing. Although I think that the highs on the the highs on the Panthers are probably slightly higher than the highs on Minnesota. I mean, you've got Reinhardt, Barkov, Huberto, um, and you've got Spencer Knight backing up uh, and competing energetically with uh, Bobrovsky. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is just fun hockey to watch. Like Spencer Knight, we saw him here playing college and the two of us were legitimately like, yeah, he's going to make it. He's 16 games into his NHL career now, and I'm not sure if he'll hit as many wins as Marc-Andre Fleury uh, recently did, but I think he's got a good shot. Like anyone else, once you get to the show, if you're doing well. So of it comes you, down to sheer dumb luck. So you 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 talk you you talk about uh, fun hockey to watch, and I yep. I do have and I, I do have one surprise on this list, possibly two. Go ahead. In the top ten, and the first one I guess would be number ten with Edmonton Oilers. I'm kind of surprised that 
kind of surprised that they're, they're up there. I mean, offensively, absolutely, I get it. But overall, I've always and yeah, I don't I don't know where it's coming from. But apparently, Stuart Skinner has solidified goaltending. I mean, Miko Koskinen was never the answer. Mike Smith is getting older every day. Uh, but Stuart Skinner has come in and, and solidified the net for them. Uh, they still have Darnell Nurse and a couple of other decent defensemen. So, but my biggest surprise on this in this top ten has to be at number two. The New York Rangers. I don't think either one of us picked, and I'd have to pull out my list here. But I, I don't I remember either one of team. us. But they are so too. beast or famine. Like when they look like when they look good. Yeah. They look like world beaters. And when they when they're not having an A game, there is no gradient, like none. It's an F. It's just, yeah, neither one of us got near the New York Rangers as far as top three in in, in their division. But it's just, it, it's, it's the fun that they're having, though. And, and the young guys that they have, again, as we've discussed in the past, you got the Adam, and, and their defense. You got Adam Fox, you got Lindgren, um, K. Andre Miller. K. Andre Miller, you've got uh, Jacob Truba. You've got their forward core is a lot of scary when it's anywhere near healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, Panarin, uh, Chris Kreider, who I've never been the hugest fan of, but who is producing, he's got 17 goals in 26 games this season. Yeah, that sounds wrong. <laughs> Mika Zibanejad, uh, Ryan Strom's got 18 points in 22 games and uh, you know, Barkley Goudreau, great depth player. He's got 10 points in 26 games. Um, and the the best part about this is that if, like, Alexis Lafreniere and Capo Caco are going to take off, now is the perfect time for them to do it because everyone above them on the depth chart is producing. Mm-hmm. There's a whole lot less pressure. And when there's less pressure because others are producing, it means you're probably not facing the best defense or getting the tightest coverage. So you're going to want to break out and build some confidence. Get at it, guys. I mean, Lafreniere needs to shoot more. He's got a 16.7 shooting percentage um, with 36 shots. And Capo Caco, 8.3 shooting percentage, also with 36 shots. Um, I not a hundred percent sure what's going on there, but this is, this team is again, playing interesting fun hockey and they go out there. I like what I, I like to watch them. I haven't always enjoyed watching the New York Rangers. I've thought that they've had a lot of meatheads over the years. Um, and some guys who are literally just skating for the paycheck, um, not playing for the team, not even playing for their next contract, skating for the paycheck. Uh, this team, this team, everyone's skating forward. When Dan, when Dan Quinn made the difficult choice to not start the King because he was 
obvious and Georgiev good but not great and Quinn turned around and said our starting goaltender is going to be Shesterkin third goaltender they were carrying three goaltenders because they still had uh, they still had uh, Monquist there and Georgiev was the backup got three goaltenders on the roster and he turned around and he took the 23 year old at the time and said, this kid's going to be the number one. And then he had the car accident. He didn't play. So he was out for a little bit. You look at his numbers this year. Um, okay. He's 13 and three, two OT, two overtime losses, two Oh five goals against and a nine thirty seven save percentage. Mm, good call there, Mr. Quinn. And what did Quinn get rewarded with? Ticket out of town. Uh, I believe he was, yes, he was uh, sent packing, so to speak. In the jury reorganization. Not that Gerard Gallant has done a terrible job, obviously. But. Um, yeah, Gerard but, Gallant's own fun story. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Quinn certainly wasn't a terrible head coach. No, so they, they bring in all the players under him and start the rebuild, but he doesn't get to see it through. I just thought, it, it, yeah, the timing of it was interesting and questionable and any other word you want to apply that isn't uh, complimentary. all that positive or complimentary. Sure, yeah. So, yeah, to me, the Rangers are, are a bit of a surprise. I did not expect them. Yes, they were on the turnaround track, but I did not expect them – in power rankings to be listed as second in the league. Okay. For the giggles, let's assume that everyone in the top six goes out in the first round. Panthers, Rangers, Capitals, Wild, Hurricanes, and Lightning, or they don't even make it at all. Okay. Of the rest of these teams, the next 10, which matchup do you want to see most? What is your Stanley Cup final dream? Dream matchup from the rest of the Sweet 16. You know, I still I still want to see Bruins against the Knights. Neither team is a fast, speedy team. They're both physical. They're both... Uh, they both bring an edge. I mean, the Bruins, some nights they don't bring it, but that's the identity of their team. They're physical. They go into corners. They dig pucks out. You've got got a little bit of flash with the Raptors line. It's the same thing on the other side. I think it would be two teams mirroring each other. I think it would be a whole lot of fun with a lot of physicality. There'd be some goal scoring, and I'd get to see Robin Leonard. I like all of those points. Um, I'm going to skip an inclusion of the Boston Bruins for reasony reasons. Okay, that's fine. Um, partly because I think that they might slide out of playoff contention, but details, details. Um, no, that wasn't that wasn't the parameters you said. You just set up the next ten. But you know what? Uh, I don't see it happening. More because of the East and the West, but I think that a Maple Leafs. And Avalanche final could be a whole lot of fun to watch. Like, for for similar yet wide uh, open. I was going to say for similar, for similar yet opposite reasons from Bruins 
nights. Now you would have speed on speed, a lot of finesse, McKinnon against, I don't know, Marner. a defense that's non-existent. Uh, <laughs> Marner might be the third best defender on that team. I could see the fun there, too. I mean, I, I, I remember back to I mean, the Kings and the, the, the Kings physicality when they won their second Stanley Cup, I think it was, and how much, and just how brutal it was with them against the Blues everyone. and then them against the Devils and, and the way everybody was just hammering on each other. It, it, but, yeah, I can see the I can see the fun in, in high-speed hockey, sure. But Leafs Avalanche, you actually have the potential to have two or three Stanley Cup final games finish, like, 7-6. Yes. Or 8-4. Or some, yeah. If you like track meets. <laughs> if you like track meets and very, very full scoring uh, sheets, uh, th- this is your series. Like, Toronto, Colorado as a Stanley Cup finals matchup, that has to be fairly close to a Gary Bettman dream based on the teams that could make it and the way that he's been pushing the game in the last two decades. Uh, Style wise, I can't I can't imagine a team better, a better pair of teams. I mean, of that matchup, I think that Colorado wins probably handily in five or six games. Um, but you can't count anything out because as much as I like Kale McCarr and Devin Taze and the rest of their blue line, <laughs> there's a whole lot of talent on uh, the front lines for but that's where, Toronto Maple Leafs. That's where, that's where the series would be won, though, because as much as the teams would mirror each other with McKinnon and Rantanen and Landis Gog in their top line and Matthews and Marner. And then they've got Nylander and you've got two potent offenses. You've got two solid goaltending goaltending positions with, with Darcy Kemper, who's currently out hurt, but you got Darcy Kemper, you got Jack Campbell. So goaltending kind of is a wash. The big difference is, the defensive cores. And I can't believe I'm about to say this, but Colorado's defensive core is better than, because there was a time where they didn't have a defensive core. No, it wasn't even that long ago. It was literally the season before my car, but their <laughs> defensive core is better. Bringing in Devin Tays was brilliant on SACX part. Getting rid of Nikita Zadorov had to be done because as physical as he was, he was a liability. Now, assuming there's no huge, huge changes between mm-hmm. now and then, you know, yeah. no one, you know, Goudreau isn't moved. There's no major moves for Tampa Bay. Calgary, Tampa Bay as a, as a return matchup in the Stanley cup finals. Sure. It's been 25 years, but, who cares? Can 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 you market that as a as the sequel? As the sequel after twenty five years, do you still get to market it as a sequel? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Um I mean it would be the first time the Flames had made the final since then, if memory serves, but uh Johnny Goudreau, Milan Lucic, um and Milan Lucic against a team that he took out on the way to uh, his Stanley Cup win 
um, Sean Monahan. Um, that that could be a whole lot of fun too, because I think both of them are fairly well balanced teams. And if there's a better goaltender in the league right now than Vasilevsky, it probably is Markstrom. This year, yes. Yeah. So that that could be as much fun. And it's, again, a different team. And you're talking Tampa Bay wins three times in a row. And again, you're talking a different style of play. Now you're talking balance against balance because – both have prolific scorers on their teams, but they both have solid defense. They both are having top tier goaltending. So again, you, you, it, it just it brings out the fun in in seeing what the best or the top level against each other looks like. I mean, it, again, you've almost got. I, I don't want to keep saying mirror images of each other, but it's close to it. They're very similar teams. They are. It's it's it would be a whole bunch of fun to watch. Obviously, I don't know. None of us know what the Stanley Cup finals or even the second round of the playoffs are going to look like. I think all of the teams that we've mentioned so far should be in the first round. And. I would give all of them at least a 70% chance of making the second round if they're healthy. That said, we know nothing matters once the puck drops in, in hockey, the, the regular seasons stats, the regular season records against each other, against the division, meaningless. And it's glorious. Yeah, it's very glorious. And and just a quick glance at, at, at goaltending tells me that Markstrom is 11th. Now, I didn't minimize the list for X number of of games started. I'm just looking at the NHL, NHL.com list. I mean, because number one is Zach Fukiel, who started one game, got a shutout. So obviously, save percentage-wise, he's the top. But as far as... Shesterkin, 17 starts, 937. Reimer, 14 starts, 937. Those are your top two save percentages in the league for starters of minimum 14 games. That's John, that's Jonathan kind of surprising. Quick has Jonathan Quick has revamped his his career again or or turned it around. Maybe he's feeling healthy, but bionic back <laughs> took his took his start took his number one starting job back from cal peterson who was supposed to be the number one didn't help that cal kind of coughed up a hairball but jonathan quick 15 starts he's got a 933 save percentage when's the last time he had a save percentage over 90 like three four years ago <laughs> it might be more than it might be more like five or six i mean interesting very very interesting but yeah, no, it, it it it's going to be fun to watch how this plays out, and it would be nice to see one of those three finals matchups come come to fruition someday. Apparently, in the 1920 season, he did have a a 904, but before but flanking that were an 898 last season and an 888 in the 1819 seasons. Okay. 
I mean, he's still got a career 913 save percentage despite a couple of really ugly seasons. But mm-hmm. And he's – I think it's a safe thing to bet on that his jersey will one day be uh, hung in the Staples Center. Yeah, that's probably – that that's not a, a a bet I would make against. That would be a bet for because two Stanley Cups. Yeah, uh, two Stanley Cups, a Conn Smythe Trophy, uh, two William, two Jennings Trophies. Yeah, he's he's had a reasonable career. They may he may even be able to finish his signature with HOF when he's done. Uh, yeah, I, I think that one's fairly safe. Um, we did mention Johnny Goudreau a few minutes ago, um, and the, the soon to be UFA, uh, having a really strong season, uh, he's mm-hmm. right around a point per game for the flames. Yeah. Um, he's got a no trade clause this season and you look at the Flames roster, they don't have many players signed beyond this year. Nope. I mean, you've got Noah Hannafin, Sean Monahan for one season, and then Jacob Markstrom signed uh, through the end of the twenty, uh, the, uh, the 25-26 season. And I'm not sure you could call anyone else a core player who's still who signed. Uh, beyond that, I mean, maybe Elias Lindholm, maybe as yeah. much as I like Blake Pullman at 30 and new to the team. Eh. So they've got him to, they've got him as UFA. They've got Matthew Kachuk, um, who's an RFA with arbitration rights. Mangiapane. Uh, they've got. As you mentioned, Mangiapane, they've got uh, Adam, they've got a couple of guys who nobody is going to lose too much sleep over. But Eric Branson has fit in fairly nicely there. Mm -hmm. Um, Not 100% sure they're going to be able to keep both guys. Which Uh, both guys? uh, They're going to be able to keep both uh, Goudreau and Kachuk. That was something I was thinking of last night while actually watching the game because Jack started talking about how Kachuk's an RFA and Goudreau's a UFA. And my first thought was, they can't keep both. I mean, Where are you gonna, where's financially, the money, where's they the money might coming be from? able to. Next year, they have 11 players signed. Well, they have 11 roster players signed for mm-hmm. a cap hit of 50, 50 million and 200,000. Assuming okay. the cap stays the same, that would give them 31.3 uh, million to play with to fill effectively 10 spots, 11 spots. Yes, you've got your goaltender filled. That's great because uh, you have you have Ladar and Markstrom for next season. But that's a whole lot of money for not very many players because if you assume that Kachuk is going to get nine and change, nine and a half. Take whatever his brother is making and add 10%. Um, (laughs) And Johnny Goudreau is probably going to get eight and a half to nine. Yes, he's going to get a raise. Um, 
I mean, that's that's only about four million more than what they're making right now combined. But right now, they're at six hundred and ten thousand in, or I'm sorry, eight hundred and seventy nine thousand and change in cap space. That number isn't great uh, for adding four million to because. Well, I think that the cap is probably not going to dip, and I think it will go up a little bit. I don't think it's going up four or five million. So, signing both of those players, impossible. Next, well, signing both of those players next no, but signing both those players next year would leave them in a very, very rough estimation on my part right. with about. 13 to 14, 13 million dollars to sign sign another eight players. uh, Yeah. A million Uh, to fill out your top four defense. (laughs) I mean, even good Branson is making more than that and he'll get a raise. It might not be a huge raise. Just under two. Yeah. Nikita Zadarov is making most of four. Oh, hey, there's the aforementioned Zadorov. I thought he was still in Chicago. <laughs> um, He's a but little that, overpaid. That math's not going to work. It's just not. No, I, I and I, I agree. You're just not going to. You're not going to be able to put a playoff or a deep playoff run caliber team on the ice by signing eight players to contracts around a million dollars and expect that you're going to get the performance you're getting currently. I mean, about the only option really is to trade Backland, assuming you can with his modified no trade and get someone there for about 3 million to his 5.3. And then you maybe have a shot at signing them both and still having some depth on the roster. But is that the best thing for the club? I don't I don't know that it is. I mean, he's your he's an alternate captain. He's uh, good centers are not easily come by. And he's having a he's having a solid he's having a reasonable season. Um, You might say that they're overpaying him. Um, He's only got nine points through 28 games. Um. But last year, you know, he had 32 points in 54 games. So he'll probably pick it up a little bit over the rest of the season. And he's been there just about his whole. Actually, I think he has been there his whole career. Um, yeah, Backlund's been there since uh, he debuted in 0809. Maybe you can get. Maybe you can get something decent for him. You pick up a nice uh, second round pick uh, and, you know, fourth round pick or a B prospect for him. Uh, And then you sign, then you sign someone in the off season who can do what he does Mm. under budget or in budget. I I think you're slightly dreaming just because I don't know. I, I didn't say it was the best idea. I think it's possible. Okay. Possible. Um, unlike David Krejci coming back and playing in the playoffs. or Hey, hey, hey. Don't mess with Sweeney's dream. He's coming back 
What about Tuka Rask down. coming back and playing in the playoffs for the Bruins? Oh, I have. I could do. I have been asked by so many people. Legitimately, if I heard, uh, never mind. I can't say that. Everybody just wants my opinion. Uh, what do you think that they'll bring Tuka Rask back? I'm like, it doesn't make sense financially. You've already it doesn't given make sense financially. And please show me all of the times he was on the ice when the cup was actually won. Go ahead. I'll wait. I'm not even worried about when the cup was won. I'm just looking at right here, right now. You're paying $5 million to Omark. You're paying whatever you're paying to, to Swayman. I'm assuming he's still on an entry level. I don't yep. remember hearing about him getting oodles of cash. So Swayman's making 925000 If you sign Tuca, now, first of all, if you sign Tuca, you have to fit him under the cap, which means Even somebody's got to go. Even if he signs a go. veteran minimum you're still having to shove someone in, back into the minors. And here's the issue is that you're paying Omar $5 million. You're not going to send him because he has to clear waivers. Even if he does clear waivers, you're not going to pay him whatever his equivalent is to play in Providence when you're paying him to be the number one. You're not going to send Swayman down because you just promoted him. You traded away Vladar and gambled on Swayman being the goalie of the future you're not going to send him down and possibly dent his confidence to bring back a Tuka Rask and fit under the cap. A guy who hasn't played in 10 months and didn't exactly look stellar. The and last is time recovering from, is a goaltender recovering from hip surgery. Hip surgery. You know, those things that goalies use every single second that they're playing. It doesn't, it doesn't and make sense. And all by the way. of their life. And oh, by the way, Omar is, if you look at his last four starts, he's putting it together. They, whatever it is to communicate, the communication's starting to come around. Whatever it is, the communication, he's getting it, whatever. But he's his numbers, his last few games have are on the up and up. So whatever you thought of him at the beginning of the season, and I beg people to give him at least some leeway. He's starting to put it together. He had decent numbers when he was with Buffalo. Nobody saw it because it was Buffalo. Actually, even to get to even to get to league minimum, you have to have no injuries, none, between now and the time that Rask is signed. And then you have to have no injuries that you can't make up for or play short roster between now between whenever he's signed and the end of the season. So, it's no, it makes not, no financial sense whatsoever. It's not Unless you to. trade Jake DeBrusque for picks and prospects, you're not going to have the cap space. And quite frankly, Jake DeBrusque is producing at the at, at right now, and Tuka Rask is not. Yeah, and I, I'm, asked, I'm asked this question all the time, and I give the same answer, and – I think it's hilarious when people look at me going, but it's Tuca. I'm like, I don't care. It's time to move on. We should have moved on a while ago. It's time to move on. (laughs) And that's literally all I want to say about it. Um, Let's – we noticed – now, what was it? Four weeks ago, three weeks ago, we were talking about how uh, Jim Benning and Travis Green had been given a vote of confidence. 
was he given the dreaded vote of confidence? I think we did say that yes. Yeah. They they were given and it was going to happen. And Sunday, last Sunday, just after we went off the air, it happened. It happened. Yes. The new head coach, Bruce new general manager. Boudreau. I don't even know who the new GM is, but Bruce Boudreaux is the new head coach. Uh, Knew he'd land somewhere eventually after the Minnesota dismissed him. I don't dislike Bruce Bruce Boudreaux. I'm not saying I like him. I'm just saying I knew he'd land somewhere else. (laughs) If there's anybody who's got short-term coach on tattooed on their forehead, it's Mm. it's Bruce Boudreaux. Okay. I don't know how this is a long-term plan. I don't think it is. I mean, they don't have half seasons with the Ducks. I mean, with the um, with the Wild, mm-hmm. he spent four seasons. Well, he spent the he he came in for the uh, lockout shortened season. He was well, he was a replacement coach. Then the lockout shortened season. Um, then he was shown the door after '82 in his fourth full season. There, Washington Capitals. He was uh, he was a replacement coach in 0708, um, and then he was uh, shown the door in 2011-12 uh, after just 22 games. I mean, he's gotten out of the second round of the playoffs once, once. Um, they they I don't, don't get even it. they don't even list. When you go into Cap Friendly and, and you look at the top where it has the 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 brief synopsis, they don't even list a GM. They just have head coach Bruce Boudreau. If you go into yeah. other teams, it says head coach, general manager. There's no general manager listed for this team. So I don't know who's steering the ship or 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 staffing the ship. Uh, Bruce Boudreau would be the one steering the ship. My apologies, but the one staffing the ship is a your guess is as good as mine, but somehow we managed to blame Travis Green for the underperforming uh, and and certainly, certainly if, the there message, was a- if the message isn't getting through, then yes, you have to do something about the coach. But everything that I had read, and I'm not tied into Vancouver or anything, but everything I had read was that Green wasn't the problem. No, the problem is is that they really when I look at this roster, when I watch this game, when I watch their games, and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter who I'm watching them play against, I do not see an on-ice, on-bench leader. It's not Alex Jason. No. It's not Tyler Myers. It's not Luke Shen. I like JT Miller. I don't see him as the guy who takes over a locker room just just by walking in and taking half a breath. Elias Patterson seems like a really nice kid. Brock Besser, a great two-way player. Um, it's not Jason Dickinson, not Tyler Mott. You need an on-ice personality who is going to say, boys, <laughs> we're going that way. 
I'm running. You better keep up because if I have to circle back, I'm either going to kick you ahead of me, drag you ahead of me or leave you behind. And there's no one on this team like that. JT Miller plays like that. I just don't know if he's a locker room guy like that. JT Miller will JT Miller will drag that team kicking and screaming wherever he can. That's the way he plays. That's the type of game he plays. He's all, he, he gives 110, 120%. That's why I keep hounding to get him here because he doesn't have to be the leader because we already have solid leadership. But he, but his work ethic, his drive, it, it, yes, please. But you look at this roster and there's a lot of 20-somethings. Now, granted, 29 is closer to 30 than it is to 20. But Tanner Pearson at 29 – the, the 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 older twenty somethings are not the leader are not the type of leadership material that you're describing. The 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 two thirty one year olds, like you said, Chase on Justin Dowling, the two thirty one year olds, again, not the type of leadership you're describing. Is it possible that one of the younger twenty somethings could be that? But they're younger. They haven't I mean, got the experience or Connor is Garland hasn't been there long enough. Is, yeah, is he actually going to take that step next year? Maybe in the later half of this year, but I mean, he's not even. I've seen Ekman him play. Larson. He's a decent player, but like, I haven't Ekman seen. Larson could be, but he's again brand new there. Quinn Hughes, on the younger side of the twenty-somethings, and not there yet. And, they don't have. Know, they, Hughes, it's a vacuum. Uh, Quinn Hughes, Connor Garland. They're not particularly imposing guys. Nope. And I know the NHL isn't the isn't as physically violent as it was in the past, and that skill accounts for a lot more that than whole, we saw twenty years ago. That whole bet him making the NHL his Yeah. I it just really I, does help. Yeah, I don't I, I I don't agree with maybe the Jim Benning. I don't know, maybe getting rid of Jim, but I I don't see that it was Travis Green's no, fault. I, but I understand I the concept see. of making a change to try and change the focus. I don't know that Bruce Boudreaux was the right guy to bring in to replace him, but as you say, he's a good short term or I, I don't think he's a long term plan. I don't think Bruce Boudreaux's Bruce Bruce Boudreaux, say that five times fast, is the guy that's going to be taking them to the next level. No. Um, and I, I mean, I like I love so many of the players on this team. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've talked about it many times. We've you talked about both. it endlessly. I mean, It it's actually physically painful to walk, look at this roster and realize how underperforming they are as a whole and how finding the right person. Like, here's an idea. It's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Never going to happen. But if you yeah. plop Anders Lee onto that roster, you instantly have a playoff team. He's that guy. If you drop Brad Marchand onto that team, 
you instantly have a playoff team because he's that guy. Um, <sighs> and wow, is the Leas Patterson underperforming this year? <sighs> the whole ro- it, its pretty much the whole roster. And yeah. when it's the whole roster, it's not the roster. I, I you know, but, everyone bears a certain amount of responsibility. But when you look around and you're, you can genuinely say, well, I might not be playing my best, but I'm playing better than that guy and that guy and that guy and that guy and that guy. Are you really playing bad? Yeah, you look at all of their stats. The only and and, and for I that know, matter, like, if you. One more guy that you could drop onto that team, or two more guys you could drop onto that team, mm-hmm. and make them instantly better, are a little bit south of them and a little bit older. You put Dustin Brown or Anze Kopitar on that team, <laughs> you're rocket propelling them up the standings. Like Dustin legit. Brown, he was a captain. He was a captain. Um, and, until Daryl Sutter took his C away. And I'm not sure it was the right, the wrong move at the time, because Dustin Brown was not playing well at that point. And he, guess what? Well, I don't expect him to actually be leaving. And yeah, he is 37 at the moment. Mm-hmm. He's UFA at the end of the year. Okay. He doesn't have a no trade. Well, actually, he does have a modified no trade list, but the no trade list is only seven teams. If you could get him there for two, three years and tell him, look, play hockey, play like you all play like you played in your bet, the best 10 years of your career. And make sure there's someone worthy of wearing a letter after you that wasn't that might not be worthy of wearing a letter right now. Play like you did in 2017. (laughs) Yeah, 61 points, 28 goals. Um, that's when Dustin Brown, that's when we suddenly realized that the guy wearing Dustin Brown's sweater was not Dustin Brown <laughs> because the prior gentleman wearing Dustin Brown's sweater was not uh, performing had been missing in action for a anywhere years. near that level <laughs> missing in action since like 2012. So I, I I don't know thirty seven do you bring him I mean you bring him in on on a it's a one it's going to be a one year deal because he's thirty five plus if you bring I, him well, in it for two have it's to be a, a one year deal no it has to be because if you bring him in you could bring him in for a two year deal but then you're on the hook if he decides to hang it up the team is required to pay that's why thirty five year olds usually only get one year deals thirty five plusers. I would still do it for two years. <laughs> I would still no, say I, if fair I could enough, make it, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying that they probably wouldn't do it for two years. It mostly like make it a sign and trade for this year and say, look, you you play well or make the agreement at the time of trade. Look, you play well. The team jumps X number of points in the standings uh, between now and the end of the year. We will give you a two year contract at exactly what you're making now or whatever, whatever is needed, uh, whatever reasonable that's needed. Um, 
I'd have I'd I'd be I'd have to do it. That you need that sort of player. You need someone who doesn't care about anything but winning. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's not like he's going to get to fifteen hundred games in a in a in a king sweater. He's at twelve fifty eight now, so he's passed the mile the the major milestone of a thousand games. Um, is he going to play five more years? Probably not. Is he going to play two more seasons? Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, but on to the other stories. Um, milestones, milestones, milestones. Marc Andre Fleury hit his five hundredth. NHL win just a couple of nights ago. Hop in your time machine back to 2000 and say five, uh, 2006, 2007, those first couple of Stanley Cup uh, playoff appearances by the Penguins after the, after the lockout, after Malkin and Crosby. Marc-Andre Fleury is a net and... Did you ever believe for even a minute at that time that Marc-Andre Fleury would get to 500 career wins? No. Not even close. I figured he'd be out of the league in two more years. Wow. Like, he had terrible meltdowns. Terrible meltdowns. Absolutely Mm -hmm. bad. Like, hysterically bad. Where you can't even feel bad for him sort of meltdowns in the playoffs a couple of years in a row. And I don't know what was going on with the Penguins. I don't know if this was a Crosby likes him thing, a Malkin likes him thing, a Mario likes him thing, or maybe, maybe his agent had that much leverage, but he's still here. He's won cups. He's had great playoff runs. He's, Yeah, he's on his third team at this point. But 500 career wins for a a goalie is enormous. Yeah. Enormous. And I just didn't think he would ever get there. 500 wins in 900 games. Another milestone. Blake Wheeler crossed the 1,000 game mark uh, a couple of a couple of nights back as well. Um, Captain of the Winnipeg Jets, former Boston Bruin, originally drafted by, but never played for the Phoenix Coyotes, uh, then Phoenix Coyotes. Um, I love watching this guy play, and every indication is he's an absolutely great guy to be around. Uh, This is one of those guys. That's what his teammates say. I mean, mean, he's a... They they like playing with him. He's he's a great teammate. He's he's he, they've said he's a good leader. I, he's been captain in Winnipeg for at least five years, I think. Yeah, something like yeah, it's got to be half decade at least. I mean, it, and we had him here, and and if he had stayed here, would he have had the career that he had? I don't know. Because that's actually a tough one to say because he was not being he was not being utilized. No, not in a way that was beneficial to him or the team at that point in time. 
because I mean, when he first got here, the Bruins had uh, Savard, Bergeron, and Krejci at center for the top three, mm-hmm. and then Savard got injured, and Bergeron and uh, Krejci were solidified in their top three, and they kept trying to play him at center. And they occasionally, I mean, everyone rotated through the third line center spot, everybody, um, before they brought in Chris Kelly and, uh, and Joe Pavelski. Um, but what if they just slid him up on the right side? Um, cause that was the year that was actually Sagan's rookie year. Um, you had Mark Recchi, uh, later in the year. No, you had Mark Recchi all of that year because he came in the year before. Um, yeah. But if, imagine, imagine if you will, that that line is actually not Bergeron, Marsh, and, and, and Recchi and Sagan splitting time. But Blake Wheeler split it, uh, running most of that line, you know, running most of that season. I think he had... I know he had some confidence issues. I mean, just the number of times he would get an offside call against him for like a three-year run. Um, I don't know if he ever figured out how fast he was. I mean, he was fast in college, but playing with some guys who were actually faster. But when he first came into the NHL, particularly for a big guy, and he's 6'3", 6'5", somewhere in that range, he was still blowing by people. Um, and he's still got good speed now uh, at 30 and not a small amount. Um, plus a thousand regular season games uh, on the chassis. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they won. I don't know if they'd win in 2011 with him versus Sagan and, and, Recky, but I think they might have beaten Chicago uh, in 13 if they went back with him. Uh, Eight years in a row of 20 goals, 20 goals per, 20 goals plus per season. Last only year, ended by the short out by the lock uh, by the uh, shortened season. This year, though, one goal. 17 points in 22 games though. 16 assists in that period of time. I'm not saying I'm not I'm not trying to knock him down, believe me. I I mean I'm just it, one goal. I mean you can say the same thing and you know Jonathan who missed a whole year who, who missed what a whole year of, of hockey. Um and you want to talk about milestone. Hey, milestone, 26th game and 26th game of the season and Jonathan Taves finally scored his first goal, you know. There's a milestone for you. If you expected 26, then congratulations. I don't think anybody else expected 26 game for him. But yeah, when he, I mean, you look at the numbers and when he was with Boston, 45 and 81, 38 and 82, you know, 21, 18, 11, the goal production was going down. The point production was, eh. they trade him to Atlanta who that became Winnipeg. And in 23 games with them to finish out the 10, 11 season, he puts up 17 points. Yeah. Hmm. There was, there was maybe some we missed something. I was going to say, maybe we missed something. He needed to not be here. 
He needed not to be a third line player. Okay, yeah. Because I... uh, you look at the 2010-2011 season, you've got Milan Lucic actually finished that season as the top scorer. He was the number one. He was the number one scorer in, in, on the Boston Bruins that year. Yeah, thirty thirty um, goal season. Thirty goal season. Um, one of just like three guys to crack twenty goals too. He did. Bergeron had twenty two. Horton had uh, twenty six. Marchand had twenty one. And then everyone else was somewhere in the teens or lower. But training- even Sagan, who everyone wants to wanted to anoint as the best thing ever had 11 goals 11 not terrible but but only five more than Danny Danny Paye trading Wheeler and Mark Stewart and Danny Paye was a fan favorite but trading him and Mark Stewart to Atlanta brought us Rich Peverly yep I, I mean and Chris Good, Kelly came different. in off of the Chris Kelly came in uh, for a pick that turned out to be Shane Prince. That might have been one of the best trades uh, that Chia Pet ever pulled off. Because Shane Prince played all of 128 NHL games. There you go. I, I mean, he's doing well in the KHL. Uh, where he's been since 1819, but never had more than five goals in an NHL season, uh, and has a 25 goal um, season in Minsk last year in just 52 games. But as an NHL player, nope. And, and you can't. They won the Stanley. They won the Stanley Cup at the end of that season. So, and as a team, that's that's what's important. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was the Cabriolet trade as well, which we all know <laughs> turned out to be hysterical. Okay. I mean, Joe Colborn wasn't exactly a huge loss, but they also gave up the pick that turned into Ricard Raquel, and he was not quite terrible. But yeah, no. Congratulations to Blake Wheeler. A thousand games is huge. I mean, I, I'm I'm happy for him. I, I would love to have seen him stick around. The talent that he had, seeing him in a Bruins uniform. I just think that for him, this was the right thing. And for him, it's absolutely a great thing. Um, Bergeron uh, last night climbed into fourth all time in assists for Boston. Yes, like he's not already going to be in the Rafters, but okay. Um, just, I think he's getting chased down to Orr, but I don't think he's getting any higher. You think he can catch Orr? I saw the I list last night during the game, and I don't he needs know. He to play another two seasons to catch Orr. Okay. Um, Joe Thornton is now 500, uh, five games away from 1,700. He's not actually 500 years old. But uh, 1,700 career games is a ridiculous number. Yeah. <laughs> It is it like. What is it with all these guys having ties to Boston? By the way, Joe Thornton, Blake Wheeler, obviously Bergeron. The only one so far we haven't listed is Marc Andre Fleury. 
don't worry. He'll get traded here next year. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, well, technically, he shared an agent. Didn't he share an agent with um, Halak? So there's your tie. Alan Walsh, yes. Um, and <laughs> the Hockey Hall of Fame has uh, been upgraded with the addition of Jenny Potter. Yeah, reading through her, reading through her, her stats and accomplishments, this is probably overdue. But yeah, Minnesota uh, and Minnesota Duluth uh, for college. Three-time finalist for the Patty Keismer Memorial Award. Three-time first-team WCHA winner. Two-time WCHA Player of the Year. Um, National champs in 2003. uh, 256 points. 148 goals. No, no, no. 108 goals. Uh, 256 points. 108 goals, yeah. That's... 102 games for Duluth, induced, inducted, induced, (laughs) spell check, inducted Um, into the UMD Athletic Hall of Fame in 2017. Then she went on to play professionally with the Whitecaps, where she was named league, where she was only named MVP. She played with the Blades here in Boston for for the 14-15 season. Yep. Uh, So she's been a league MVP. She played a Ten oh. years in in professional hockey, she's got Olympic national gold. championship. She's got Olympic gold. Oh wait a minute! I'm sorry, IIHF gold. I don't think that was actual Olympic, but okay. Oh, okay, international international hockey federation. Fair enough. I mean, still international women's world championships. Member uh, of the USA board of uh, USA Hockey's board of directors as president. Um, head coach of Northeast Wisconsin Hockey Association. Chief. Executive Officer of the Potter Performance Group, Jenny Potter Hockey. Um, yeah, yeah, it's overdue. Uh, get uh, this lady has more than earned it. Um, congratulations and tough act to follow. <laughs> really, uh, a tough act to follow. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way. <clears throat> Career included four appearances in Olympic Winter Games where she won a gold medal in Nagano. So she does have a gold medal. Uh, I thought I had seen that in the article, but we are running a little heavier on time than I expected. Um, um, Getting to sign your name with HOF. Yeah, she deserves it. So um, the professional career of a favorite coach of the NHL uh, of the show I might have might have come to an end a very very disappointing and shocking to hear that Elaine Vigneault has been fired by the Flyers if you honestly believe that he's not going to get hired somewhere else you are fooling yourself (laughs) somebody is going to throw money at him he probably will Oh wow! Now I re- now I understand the connection. Mm-hmm. Um, before the show, you asked how Mike Yeo kept getting uh, kept getting these uh, NHL jobs. Do you happen to remember who his GM was in Minnesota? In Minnesota, 
who is now the head coach, now, now the, the uh, now GM yeah. of the Flyers. Okay, yes. I did. I did not see the thread through to the end. Yes, prior to the show, I did ask. I did ask how Mike Yo keeps surviving when everybody else gets cl- when 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 the house gets cleaned because Michelle Terrian was also fired along with Vigneault, but yet somehow Mike Yo is now the interim head coach. And exactly. yes, when he was in Minnesota, Chuck Fletcher, I didn't see it. Ah, oh. but Mike if Yo been has been the GM. Named- I would have had it right away, but I didn't. I didn't actually take a look. So. The two of us talked about this team, the Flyers, at the beginning of the year and in the offseason and said, I like this up. I like the upgrades. I think this is a better team. This is, on paper, a team that, you know, people should be worried about. And then the season happened. And not much good has happened for the uh, Flyers since the drop of the first puck for the, this year, they are seventh in the Metropolitan Division. Mm-hmm. Uh, to catch up to the Rangers, they need to, who are in third place in the division, they need to pick up 15 points with the same number of games played over the remaining 50 something games. Okay. That's a steep hill. Is it? It kind of is. Okay. To get a wild card spot in the East, they are admittedly only six points behind Boston, who holds the final uh, the final wild card. Remember when we thought Detroit was going to be like the second or third worst team in the league? Philadelphia is actually worse than Detroit. And yet Detroit is actually sliding towards the bottom. Two weeks ago, they were in like third place in the uh, in the in the Atlantic. They're five, four, and one, and they have lost three in a row. Yes, they're five, four, and one, and they lost ten. Uh, their goaltending is, you know, Nedeljkovic has been flashes of brilliance, but then he'll cough up a hairball. Grice is regressing to the mean. Instead of being the stellar guy that he was with the Islanders when they had a three-headed monster and couldn't figure out who should be the starter between Varlamov, Grice, and and pick the third one, whether it was Halak or whoever they replaced Halak with. or But Grice is starting to go the wrong direction. I don't know that they, even if they do complete – even if they do fall – I mean, they're not in a playoff spot now, but they were up until – yesterday they were actually in the second wild card spot correct so they haven't done a complete fall apart yet but for the for for comparison i mean for, for philadelphia to be behind them and we were talking about detroit being not necessarily the leaders for the race for 32 because that was arizona and still is i think Oh, it's it's clearly still Arizona. They have 12 points. Um, I don't know that anyone else is under 20. No, Seattle has 21. <laughs> oh, Montreal has 15 points, but and Ottawa has seven. Actually, there are four teams under 20 points at this point in the season. And that's de- that's got to be depressing for those teams. Especially, and especially when one of them is the Islanders. I, honestly, I'd be more depressed for the se- for the Senators who. I genuinely thought we're going to be at least middle of the pack this year. Yeah, we thought they'd be uh, 
I think their goaltending has been an issue. They they waived they waived Matt Murray. I mean, he cleared waivers, and I think he's in the minors now. But they waived Matt Murray because they'd rather go with Anton Forsberg, who they got from Chicago because Chicago didn't think anything of him. Uh, it just yeah, Philadelphia. I, I, and they've won two games in a row, but in their last ten, they're two seven and one, which means oh, they were terrible until two games ago. I don't know what's going on with Philly. Is was Vigneault the the problem, or they needed? They've got okay. some. Look, go ahead. my criticisms of Vigneault go back. Even before the Bruins uh, Canucks Stanley Cup final, we all know Vigneault's a manager. Not he doesn't make changes on the fly. He doesn't make in game. He's a people manager, not a coach. Okay. Uh, or even an ice time manager and not a coach, because I don't. I'm not even sure his people skills are all that great. Okay. And yes, I I. I Firmly blame him. Like I expect to that Mike Eo, who is not at a an outstanding NHL coach, to do better, to have a better points percentage over a, over a twelve fifteen game period than Elaine Vigneault, because he's had time to look and see which players are going to produce and which aren't, and he's gonna make useful in-game changes. Sometimes they're going to be useful to the other team, but he's going to make some in-game changes that will get the player's attention at, at worst. Okay. Um, I just, I, yeah, I've never been a huge Vigneault fan. I just don't see, he doesn't, he does, he, he can't make those in-game changes when they're struggling, you know, he, or he doesn't appear to, maybe he's making them and they're just the wrong ones, but he doesn't appear to have a good handle on reacting to where the game is going and what he needs to do to, to, to fix an issue in the moment. Uh, and, yeah. And so Elaine Vigneault, I'm sorry to see you go, but somehow I think you'll end up landing on your feet somewhere. Unfortunate, uh, as unfortunate as it will be for some franchise and their fans. Um, Equally unfortunate, and uh, on a slightly smaller scale, Ben Bishop is uh, apparently calling it a career, or at least getting close to. Um, He's, uh, Jim Nill has said that he's got a degenerative knee uh, disorder and just isn't going to. and quite frankly, isn't going to play anymore. Um, it's yeah. I mean, it's not like we didn't see this coming. He hasn't played consistently in four years. a number of years. I, I don't even, I can't even recount. It's been a while. I mean, he got to Dallas obviously, and he was still playing. Wait. 44 games last season. Did he really? Well, no. In the 1920 season, he played 44 games. Wow. And he had decent numbers. 
I didn't think so either. And he had decent numbers. I thought he was. But so maybe he's he, always been he's been out injured on a regular basis, like multiple times each season. Yes. Uh, he played 46 games the season before and had really good numbers. I mean, a 934 is nothing to sneeze at. Um, under two. And. But, yeah, he's he's had that injury wrap since before he left Tampa. But if it is degenerative, yeah, then it's not really much he could do, he could have ever done about it except stop playing. Um, and he clearly didn't want to do that. Uh, I mean, in the sixteen seventeen season, he only played forty nine games and didn't have a great year. Um, but good luck to Ben and whatever he does next. Um, rest up, get the knee to a point where you can at least walk and do daily stuff comfortable. Um, but. Yeah, I don't like when I mean, you, you read this and Rick Bonus is right. I mean, when he's on, he's a top three goalie in this league. And I can't find much in the way of evidence against that. When he's no. on, he is a he's top three goalie, top league. five goalie in the league. <laughs> he's a three time Vesna Trophy finalist. It, the last time being in 1819, uh, he's got a 921 save percentage and a 2.32 goals against in 413 games. Uh, 921 save percentage on a couple of teams that really didn't have defense. That's pretty good. So actually, yeah, that's I, pretty good. No matter what teams you're on. Yeah, that's that's just good numbers. <laughs> um. It looks like uh, it looks like the fans of the Vegas Golden Knights uh, might just be getting a Christmas present. Uh, rumor has all, it. Don't get them all excited. Hey, uh, these are not my words, but okay. rumor has it that Jack Eichel is expected to be playing again by the end of December, according to Daily Faceoff. Um, and, uh, he's been back on the ice as of December 6th or 2nd, rather, um, according to Jesse Granger of the athletic, uh, he's cleared for anything other than contact. Um, and so if Eichel can come back and hit, uh, hit the ground at a decent pace, um, that's, that's a boost for them because we were talking about, the Sweet 16, the top, the power rankings for the NHL, and guess what? They weren't that high. Mm-hmm. If they can find, if they can insert Jack Eichel smoothly into the lineup, I think they need juice, to pump some brakes on that. But okay. And produce. Okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe they could go from fourth in the wild card race in the Western conference fourth behind San Jose and behind the Anaheim ducks who we really need to spend some time looking at them next week. They're scoring more goals than admittedly. They played a couple of more games, but they've got more goals than Edmonton at this point or Calgary or only it, 
Wow. Only Colorado has more goals than them uh, this year in the West. Uh, three teams have more team, more goals, but yeah, not what I expected. No. Um, and as a bonus, what has five rings and maybe a Jack? The Olympics. US Olympics team. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has not been ruled out according to TSN Canada uh, for uh, the U.S. men's Olympic team. Stop. And look, it's, stop. it's important that we talk about. I know, but stop. It, the guy is recovering from surgery on his neck to have an artificial disc placed into his spine. But here's the thing. Is, the as scary as that injury is. It's not something that bears as much weight as a knee or an ankle. So it's not like there's as much strain. Like you can lay flat on your back or your stomach or whatever, uh, or even on your side with a good pillow or two and take mm-hmm. the pressure off of your, off of your neck for a couple of hours. You can't okay. do that with a bad hip. You can't do that with broken ribs. If he's recovering and he's young and reasonably healthy, he's probably going to recover faster than someone who is 10 years older or 20 years older and had the same surgery. 10 million. First of all, it's Vegas, $10 million a year. Maybe you hold off and make sure he's closer to a hundred percent than you think, or you hope maybe you make sure he's at a hundred percent. And as far as Olympics go, someone's at a hundred percent. And as far as Olympics go, you want this kid to be able to play for your franchise. So maybe you say, look, you know, you think you could not play in the Olympics. I understand it's representing the country. It's an honor. I get all that. But if he's as young as he is, the Olympics come around again in four years. And we never know what's going to happen in four years. Okay. He could be abducted by aliens. He could end up with a degenerative knee like Ben Bishop. He's got an artificial bone in his spine, in his neck. There could be another great plague. Yes. Or the same one. I just, I I think that in the interest of his career and everything, Uh slow. I'm not saying don't play. I'm just saying slow. No, you are saying don't play him. I am saying saying that. Because if I'm investing that kind of money in a player that has eight more years on his contract. But... Are you really are you really willing to sabotage your relationship so that he can go play elsewhere in three years when he demands another trade? Does he want that reputation that because he's not getting his way, he's going to and he's going to be a crybaby and get traded out of there? I mean, I don't know if that's a good reputation to have either. I'm asking for the guy to look at his future. In concurrence with the team's future. And maybe instead of coming back in February, you come back in April for the playoff run. But coming back and jumping into the speed and violence of the playoff run versus the speed and violence of leading the run up to the playoffs. Mid February is nothing like as aggressive, physically aggressive as that first round of the playoffs. You need time playing at game speed to jump into playoff speed. I've said the same thing myself uh, many, many a time that there, there is no 
equivalents for game speed. You can't you can't match it in practice. You can't match it by having like baseball does simulated starts. You can't match game speed. I've said it myself. And for but, that matter, I think that the Olympics, if they're early games back, are great practice. You're play you're still playing against elite players, but the level of physicality isn't as high as the playoffs. In fact, it's probably not quite as high as division rivals uh, or as rival games in the NHL. Okay. Um, really neat tweet uh, from Connor Mer- or from Connor Ryan uh, at Connor Ryan underscore ninety three a couple of nights back. Um, and Jack Ishan's fourteen fifty eight of five on five ice time. The Bruins held a thirty one to five edge in shot attempts. That's a greater than eight to one ratio for those not wanting to do the math on their own. No, wait a minute. That's not quite right. And this is why I'm not a mathematician. 31 to five is a six to one shot. Six to greater than six to one, which is still kind of good. So what exactly is Connor Ryan trying to say here? He's kind of implying that maybe the maybe, maybe, maybe the blue line doesn't have enough offense uh, on it. Maybe, maybe. I was maybe. trying to say that, that Jack Ashan should be given a Vesna. I mean, given a Norris. I, I think that's definitely what the tweet says. I mean, you can read it yourself. Um, no, I'm just trying to I'm just trying. I'm trying to figure out where Connor Ryan's going with this because he doesn't. It, he doesn't say anything except for telling us that in 15 minutes of five and five time, they held an edge in shot attempts. So was no, no, no. Jack it's a significant Ash- edge in shot was, attempts. But was Jack Ashan more responsible for the fact that there were more shots by the Bruins? Or was he is he trying to say that because Jack Ashan was on the ice that the other team couldn't shoot the puck at all? I would say that he was more responsible. Um, speaking of interesting stats um, and milestones. Tori Krug, Tom Wilson, Dmitry Orlov, Alex Gelchenyov, all trending towards their 600th game really, really soon. Wow. Um, I tweeted about this a little bit earlier today, just before I, we recorded the show. One of those guys was taken 12th overall. One of those guys was taken 55th overall. One of those guys was taken third overall. And Tori Krug was undrafted. Yeah. Tory Krug is not quite lapping the field in terms of points produced in his career, uh, but he's got 382 points in those 596 games. Wilson's got 245. Orlov, who we both really like, has 216. And Galchenyev, uh, Galchenyuk, uh, has 335 in his 595 games. There's a reason, as I said, that certain Boston Bruins fans are still a tiny bit salty over Tory Krug not being in Boston anymore. Especially when you consider the fact that he's getting the same number of dollars per year that supposedly Sweeney offered him, but Sweeney wouldn't go to seven years. Yeah. But the average annual value is the same, supposedly, as what Sweeney offered. Yeah. Thank you, And there was... I think the other thing was that it took Sweeney a while to get to that point as well. 
But according to Sweeney, he offered him six years, six and a half per, and he ended up signing with St. Louis for six and a half per, but it's seven years. Hey, what do you get if you take a uh, young (laughs) hockey player, subtract a year from Alex Ovechkin, and mix in a whole bunch of worldly hype? Uh, Just that? Hype? Uh, You get... Mati- uh, Matvey Michkov, ah, um, yes. who becomes the youngest player ever to play for the Russian national team by more than a year. He's more than a year younger than Ovechkin was at the time. Um, a top prospect for the 2023 draft. Um, I'm expecting we'll see this guy called sometime in the first five or six picks. Um, I have heard a couple of other players who I suspect will go higher. I do not have my complete notes in front of me, and we are really heavy on time at this point. So I just feel bad for this kid because they've thrown the Ovechkin name into, and now any conversation that he's brought into, he's immediately going to be compared to. And yes, if he is drafted anywhere in the top five picks, it's going to be expected that he performs the way Alex has. And I don't think that's entirely fair to this kid who's 16 years old, 17 by the time he's drafted. I think that's terrible spot to put him in. But as a professional, he'll have to learn to accept it. Absolutely. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we leave you. Uh, Chris dumping all over every young player uh, from Mitchkoff. Stop to it. Eichel and someone trying to defend them. But hey, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Have a happy, safe holiday filled with lots and lots of hockey and whatever form of cheer uh, cheers you up.